It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Glad to be with you. Trevor, how are you doing today? Well, now that you got your audio figured out on your end, that we thought it was an issue on my end, I'm doing much better. <laughs> I don't know, about five restarts later. And can you hear me? Can you? No, no. And then all I see in the camera is a shake of the head. Yeah, it's on my end, you dumbass. Hey, this is the problem with technology and wireless headphones. You think they're on and they're not. So. Yeah, and I'm like, I feel like I'm on that bloody telephone commercial. Can you hear me now? How about now? And I'm like changing every goddamn setting there is. And you idiot. Hey, we all have our moments, man. It's been a long week. It's been a long uh, week. Uh, at least he so. hit the goddamn record button this time. Yeah. <laughs> one time, I haven't. It's, that's a one-time issue. It hasn't happened since. The record button is much more important. I was just willing uh, to hit record and just talk so much trash against your teams and just say, "I take your silence as agreeing that I'm correct." So could just been an hour of me, you know, talking shit on the flames stamps and. Yeah, well, raps now, I guess, you know. So, so it'd be like any other episode that is what you're saying. A little less impartial. <laughs> nice. No, I'm actually doing quite well. I'm uh, a little uh, bit of a, a drain. There's not a whole lot of sports on this weekend. We got the Olympics fired up and unfortunately not getting a chance to watch a lot of those. The, uh, the, the local time zone in China doesn't necessarily line up with us very well, so... But whatever, I managed to catch some uh, women's snowboarding on the weekend and uh, some of the mixed doubles uh, curling. Lots of fun. I, I, I for one, enjoy the Olympics, so I'm kind of glad they're on. My daughter, big figure skater, uh, she actually had her very first competition ever this weekend, and she absolutely loved it. And then she immediately was like, Dad, you need to record every single figure skating on on the Olympics, I need to watch it. So I'm like trying to skip ahead two weeks to, to catch it all. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing quite well. Ken, yourself? Uh, well, that's awesome. I think you brought up one of the Olympic sports that's going on. And I was going to kind of mention this during the show because there's another event going on here in Canada, the Scotties. But I'm going to say something very un-Canadian. I can't stand curling. Let's uh, maybe we should hold that sentiment for a little bit later in the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I just it's one of those things I just can't. It's one of those sports that I just can't get behind. But yeah, it, it's unseasonably warm here. I started the day off in a hoodie and I, I had to go switch to a T-shirt because I'm like, I, I can't uh, can't be inside here with the hoodie on. It's like <laughs> five degrees here today. It's like, the only good thing is hopefully it'll melt all the uh, ice snow that's in my front and we'll stop flooding it. But it uh, it is what it is. So yeah, it's it's good. You it's can, been a long week, and you could stop going ass over tea kettle outside your front door. Yeah, yeah, that was one time, and I'm just glad it was late enough and no one else was around to see it because it was a tad embarrassing. Yeah, I took a tumble <laughs> last week. <laughs> it sucked. Well, if the listeners can't tell, Ken and I both seem to be in a bit of a, a an interesting mood this morning. We're very. Uh, very it's almost weird we're almost jovial and upbeat and you know it's it's exciting we're back on the radio back on burns radio and to go along with that for today's episode ken and i both kind of felt like we're gonna have one big long 
Are you kidding me? Where we're going to go over a whole host of almost potpourri type of topics and have some fun with it. There's been Either, a lot happened in the last week or so that we're just like, we. there's so much to talk about, good, bad, fun, and otherwise that we just felt there was no other way to kind of celebrate our trumpet return to the radio with a full hour of, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to kick it off at this, it's an, I, mean, I don't know if so much of an, are you kidding me as a, one of those good news stories that about uh, damn time stories. <laughs> that came out probably two to three decades too late, but there was a big announcement out of major league baseball not necessarily from the league or the players, but the umpire association. And that has, that is Joe West has finally retired. And Trevor, all I got to say to that is. Yeah. Joe West West is one of the worst. It, it, this 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 needs a celebration. Like Joe West has got to be one of the worst umpires in Major League Baseball history. Like talk about and it didn't matter where. Like behind the plate, on the base paths, down the lines. And for some reason, he would get on the World Series crew every once in a while. It didn't matter. I there's always the running joke that umpires and you know and blindness. Well, I. With this guy, I'm really questioning because he was awful. Straight up awful. Yeah, and he was also one of the umpires that he made it it uh, he made it about him. Uh, That's a really good way of putting it. That 17 second stare down with uh Madison Baumgartner went back when he was with the Giants a few years ago or whatever it was. And he was just he went out there looking to be the show. Like, I think he thought maybe that PlayStation named the game after him, MLB The Show, because he just, he tried to put one on and his strike zone was horrible. His calls on the field were horrible. It just, there needs to be some accountability in the umpiring world. It almost needs to be like, you need to be graded. And if you don't have a passing grade, well, you got to go back to umpire school or you got to go down to the minors and umpires in the minors that good get good grades for calling and a game get called up. It shouldn't just be like, hey, job for life. It's not a Supreme Court justice, right? Like, it's you're a major league umpire <laughs> and you need to be able to do a job. So, I, if only we could age Angel Hernandez as well and get him oh, out of the game. I was just going to bring that up. They like, talk about those two peas in a pod. They are by far the worst umpires in baseball. And I'm sure there's lots more. There's some really good umpires. Angel Hernandez went to the Joe West school of umpiring where yes. it was like, what can I do to make this about me? How can I ruin somebody's perfect game on a clearly blatantly out call yeah. to make it about me? It's that this guy's got to go to, and you brought up a really good point about going to umpire school. Okay. What is your thoughts on the robo ops? Are you for or against this? What, what do you think? It, can it really get any worse though? I mean, if they can get it to the point, I like the human aspect because you get that, that little bit of, you know, the mistakes could be made. I'm, I'm not a fan of being able to replay every call. I think there should be some kind of human element to it. Like soccer has VAR and they only use it in certain instances. Uh, replay is limited. And I think it should be, but I think it has merit when you have umpires who are so inconsistent inning through inning game through game and just blatantly bad. I mean, if, if a robo ump is going to get a call right 99.9% of the time and you're going to get good games, good calls, then fine. But if the technology isn't quite there, let's not rush anything. I I'm on the fence. Let's see it. Let's I I'm fine either way. I'm adamantly against robo-umps. As much as we bitch and complain about terrible umpires, it kind of adds to the luster of the game, in my opinion. Like, you and I are both huge Canadian Football League fans, and it's well-documented about the quality of the officiating in in the Canadian Football League. But it's it's also part of the allure of the game, where it's like – 
you're almost waiting for a bad call to happen to spark controversy and get you talking about it. I kind of feel the same way about uh, officiating in every sport. The NHL, it's the same kind of deal. The officiating's not great. It's so inconsistent, but it's also become part of the game. The NFL, again, it's they seem to come up and invent these rules on the fly mid-game that nobody knows um, uh, the rules. And then all of a sudden you go to a replay and it's like rule 74-7 of subsection 9 means – you know, if your hand was in the forward motion and it come blah, 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 it, it almost has just become part of the game and adds yeah. to the entertainment factor. So I'm against it. I, as shitty as it is when an umpire makes a terrible call or a terrible penalty, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. It's all about the, it creates adverse, ad, adversity in the middle of the game for some teams. And I, for one, actually like it. Would I wish they would get it right more often than not? I do. I appreciate the fact there's a little more video replay going on, but even that I'm getting a little tired of. Like yeah. it's there's so many gray areas, especially in the NHL. The new offside. The new offside. Like I'm I for one am kind of against video replay using it the, too much. The reason we have it though is because there hasn't been any accountability from the leagues to the officials to get it right, to get better, right? Like, I think that's part of the thing is you never see a referee, umpire, or anything else have to explain a shitty call after the game. And if you did, then maybe we'd see less bad calls. Well, and I think video replay has kind of made it so referees don't want to make the difficult call on the ice or on the field. Because remember, the, there's always the famous saying, you know, and it, yeah, there has to be conclusive video evidence. And it's kind of like, but then that's kind of handcuffing the referees to just, okay, we'll let it go and we'll let yeah. video replay. Well, no, because you have to have conclusive video evidence to overturn any call. We'll make a goddamn call. Yeah, you, they, like, it allows them to throw their hands up and say, I don't know. Exactly. So it's like, I for one am a little more against the more technology and get it back to Maybe we just train the umpire. Maybe they don't go to the Joe West school of umpiring <laughs> and get it back to where they're just, they're better trained to make the calls and stand by the calls. I, is there anything wrong with a blown call in the game? No, it's part of the game, yeah. but let's at least get back to them making those calls and not relying on umpires and, or uh, video replay and robot umpires. And let's put the, the human element, you know, just let's train them better. That That yeah. is what it all boils down to. Absolutely. And I don't know that anyone from Cool and the Gang is listening, but thank you for, uh, yeah. we, you know, <laughs> didn't quite ask, but, you know, thank you for the song. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. If I have to start paying royalties, Ken, you're covering it, you idiot. <laughs> Hopefully Spotify doesn't get this one. <laughs> yeah. They're too worried about Joe Rogan, so we're fine. Uh, I want to stick with the baseball theme for the next one and major league baseball, the players association. Oh boy. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Spring training is supposed to start soon. Um, can we maybe try negotiating a little bit, uh, getting in a room for 15 minutes and not talking isn't necessarily helpful here. Uh, I, for one, I'm very excited for baseball season. Uh, I, for one, am very excited to get back to the baseball offseason that hasn't yes. finished yet. Um, yeah, we're cutting it a little close here, guys. Uh, there's still some big-name free agents out there that don't have homes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're a couple weeks away uh, from spring training. I'm not sure when you're planning on doing the rest of your offseason, let alone having pitchers and catchers report. Please. I, I, Blue Jays look good this year. I would like to see a full season, please. I'd like Let's to see Freddie sort, Freeman in a Jays uniform. I, that, I would love to see that too. Can we at least try to get along here, please? Well, here's the thing that the league locked out the players. This isn't the, the, you know, the CBA or whatever was ending and the players went on strike. Major League Baseball locked them out and then goes, well, we won't go to the table. We're not going to negotiate. We're going to turn everything down. You know, we need a federal mediator. And the players said no. And really, they aren't the ones that 
really kind of caused this. It's on the owners. The owners locked them out. And now they want, you know, this, well, we can't really do this. The first meeting you walked in, it was like 15 minutes, like you said. So I think there's a lot of problems here. It would be nice to get it done, but I think at some point they need to be sit down and whether it is a mediator or not, I don't know, but baseball is always a sport that seems to be in danger of losing fans. And if you have a labor stoppage that shortens the season or is detrimental to the quality of baseball, because players didn't have a full spring training and everything to get ready. Um, that it could hurt the league more. What I don't understand about the stance that the owners are taking. And I quite often am actually very on side with, or uh, on the same side as the owners in a lot of the NHL lockouts and such. I was usually on the owner's side because at the end of the day, they're running a business that they need to make money for. I'm not as much on the owner's side on, on this one because baseball isn't necessarily a gate driven league. Baseball's almost got a business model that is almost pandemic proof with all their online MLB, um, MLB.com and, and what they do online. And now, you know, broadcasting games on YouTube, like they're so far ahead of, of a bunch of the other leagues in using the online platforms to make money. And I'm kind of like, what are you doing here? Like, are you kidding me? You're going to, you're going to possibly like jeopardize that figure it out. You're already a monstrosity of a league that makes billions of dollars. You compete with the NFL, which is like, for some reason, the king of everything you compete with them and you're jeopardizing this over like wanting more money. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, Figure it out. You got a lot more money to lose than gain Man, over, I, I, over this lockout. I can't listen to the Jays on the radio without paying for it. Like that's how much money that they try and get out of the fans in every such way. I can't listen to the, a game on the radio. I when they were in that run late in the season, I had to try and find the Yankees feed or whoever they were playing feed on radio apps to be able to listen because. You can't listen in Canada on, on Sportsnet. Even if you go to the Toronto one, you can't. You can't get it. You get some CBS sports from the States. And it's like, to me, that's a, an atrocity because you're you're locking your fans out from, con- from their games if they can't watch it, right? And, I mean, by, by all means, baseball on the radio is like watching paint dry. So it's not great, but at least you know what's going on. And I think – that was so frustrating as a fan last season, like going, are you serious? You want me to pay however much it is a month or overall for a year to listen to the radio, something I should be able to get for free. No, I get paying to watch the game on TV out of market. I do it for the Canucks. I'm not going to do it for baseball. I think you should be a real fan, Ken. Well, for the most part, I usually get home (laughs) in time to watch the games, but uh, when you know, you work on Tuesday to Saturday and you're at work and the game's on midday, you're kind of stuck, but yeah, no, you know, I just give me the gears. Oh, I know. And even still like games during the day, a league that schedules games midweek during the day when your fans work or are in school, they don't care. They're getting the money one way or another. Cause if you got season tickets, you've paid for them. They got your money. Well, and how many people have already paid for the year long subscription to MLB.com? Like they're doing it right. And I don't understand why they're even remotely trying to jeopardize this. Like they are so far ahead of a lot of the other leagues in the social media aspect of it and the online presence that I am dumbfounded as to what they're doing. Another thing that I'm dumbfounded about, and and we got to bring this up is we're talking about lockouts and, and such Gary Bettman, Mr. Bettman of the NHL commissioner, Celebrated what is 29th, 30th, 50th? I don't know. It feels like 75 too year long. anniversary. Too long with with the NHL of being the uh, the commissioner. Ken, has Batman been good for the NHL, or has it been an absolute train wreck, or is it both? Yeah, I, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B to quote uh, Grandpa Simpson. It. Uh, it's a mixed bag. This guy. Hey, is if done. I get to start paying royalties to the Simpsons now too, we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's okay to, you know, I think quote is, you know, we're not playing the clip. 
Uh, it's a bit of both. There's been some good things, but there's been some bad things that he's done. Like, I mean, we've had a lot of labor stoppages under Gary Bettman. We've had teams move under Gary Bettman. We've had teams not move. Yeah, and I, I'm going to get to that one because part of his anniversary came pretty much right up on the All-Star Game festivities, and he gave his uh, a speech to talk to the, to the reporters at the game. And he was asked about the Arizona Coyotes playing at ASU, which apparently is less than 5,000 uh, seats. They may sell out. <laughs> Maybe. I doubt it. But the thing is, he was asked about it, and he was asked about revenue sharing because the rest of the league is giving Arizona money and the, the initial plan is three to four maybe five years they play at ASU to figure out a new home and he said that uh, Glendale gave the Coyotes kind of an ultimatum sign a 20-year lease or piss off and they chose not to they also chose not to pay their bills or taxes or anything else but Gary Bettman talked about how they're already at the max revenue share. It's not going to affect anything else. They're not going to get any more. They're not going to get any less. And then he says that it would probably be financially better for them to play these three to potentially five years at ASU than it is to play in Glendale. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Are you saying that an NHL franchise is going to be benefited more by playing at a stadium or arena, sorry, that holds less than 5,000 people. Now, if you're an NHL owner, how pissed off are you to hear that you got to keep shelling out money to the Arizona Coyotes? Because, and in his next breath, talked about how the teams in Canada playing at 50% is just not good for those teams. Well, that 50% is still more than what Arizona's getting right now. So don't give me this crap. It's like, I love my Coyotes. On the radio, they were joking. Um, if you're single, find someone who to who will look at you like Gary Bettman looks at the Arizona Coyotes, right? Just he will not give it up. And I kind of it took as a Canadian fan, took it as a kick in the teeth when he starts kind of crapping on the fact that we only have 50% capacity here in Canada. We're still doing better than the Arizona Coyotes. Because that and 50%, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, because that 50% sells out. And to say that was just like, and then talked about moving the draft out of Montreal because there could be no fans. Might, you know, not do it. Because uh, Bill Daly said, well, we might have to do it virtually. He goes, no, we move it. He cut Bill Daly off and just said, no, we'll move it. We'll find somewhere else. So it's kind of like that. I will die on this hill that Arizona is better financially at 35 to 5,000 seats than a Canadian team at close to 10,000. It's a joke, man. Like, this is why Bettman is such a. <clears throat> I don't like him as a commissioner and anything that he has done good is washed out by this. Okay. So back to the original question, I think Ken just answered, uh, he does not like Gary Bettman and he has not been good for the league. No, <laughs> here's all I got to say about Bettman. And if you ever want to have a guy who's towed the company line and done what the owners have wanted, this guy Bettman has done it to a T whether it's locked out his, his players Shut down the league for full seasons. Not gone to the Olympics. You know, on lots of uh, things to the players. This guy toes the company line. He 100% does. Is the NHL in a more stable position than it was when he started? I would have said up until 2019, 100%. 100% Gary Bettman was good for the NHL up until 2019. We've seen through COVID and coming, I guess we can say coming out of COVID, I guess in air quotes, <clears throat> there are some major, major problems brewing in the National Hockey League that I feel like they're turning a blind eye to. The Chicago Blackhawks attendance, the Chicago Blackhawks are offering tickets for $8 a game and still getting less than 10000 to a game. You've got Phoenix. I look at the Calgary Flames recently played a game in Dallas to 10,000 fans. Buffalo. There's, he was asked about Buffalo, them as well. Buffalo, you've got less than 10,000 fans at games. We got a problem. We got a major problem. 
And I'm very concerned because the NHL is a gate driven league and you've got some significant franchises pulling less than 10,000 fans. And I'm legit worried that Gary Bettman isn't the right guy to lead us out of this because he's so stubborn. You look at the Arizona Coyotes situation. I'm legit worried. I am legit worried about the state of the league. And if they don't figure out a way to get asses back in the seats, there's a real problem coming for the NHL. Let's be honest. Chicago's an easy fix. I don't know if you want to just segue into that one next, but let's get into it. If you want fans to go back into Chicago, because Rocky works held a town hall for reporters and seasons ticket holders. And uh, Mark Lazarus was one of the reporters who asked a question about the situation that happened with Kyle Beach and their promise to help make things better going forward. So this doesn't happen again. Rocky works lost his shit and just said, you know, kind of went off politely. Yeah. Went off on how, why are you bringing this up? That's done with, we're not talking about the past. We're not talking about this. Why do you always have to bring this up? And he was belligerent and very angry. And his son, Danny works tried to answer the question and he, Rocky just shut him up and said, no, we're not talking about this. And just gave it to Mark Lazarus. And he wasn't asking anything inappropriate or anything that shouldn't have been asked. All he was asking for was, you mentioned that there was plans for things to go forward so that this doesn't happen and there's player safety. And, and, then, our pal, and then our pal Gary Bettman essentially... Well, there was a second. There was a second reporter, though, that wanted some follow-up on that, and he lost it on him again. Yeah, Phil Thompson. Same thing. So it, he did it twice in that situation. And even Danny Wirtz afterwards went up to, I think it was Phil Thompson and uh, maybe Mark Lazarus and said, yeah. um, I'll talk to you guys about this. He was willing to talk. He wanted to get what the Blackhawks were trying to do out. And Rocky Wirtz came out with some piss-poor apology 20 minutes after the town hall, which he probably was browbeaten into writing. But, but the funny thing is that apology didn't even directly come from him. It came from him to the public relations department, to the the reporter. So he couldn't even muster it upon himself to actually send the email personally from himself to the two reporters. And what, what also drove me nuts about that is our pal Gary Bettman at this address you just talked about pretty much covered for, for Mr. Wirtz and is like, ah, kind of having a bad day and you know he didn't really mean it and th- it's been tough times for the Blackhawks don't give me that shit are you kidding me that was bad tough times for Kyle Beach who gives a shit about this about Rocky Wirtz and the state of the Blackhawks this is their fucking fault you assholes and there's more people coming forward suing the Blackhawks over this because there's more people that Aldrich did this to there's more there's more people coming out there's more john does coming forward and what made it worse about bettman's comments it's not that he just sloughed off Wirtz's reaction called it a moment rocky Wirtz had an opportunity to correct that moment that he had when phil thompson came up and say you know what phil before i answer your question mark i apologize for my reaction that was not correct I will answer both your sounds like you have the same question. I will answer it here. He had a chance to redeem his original Gary Bettman quote moment. And he doubled down. Failed. He failed to do it. What really pissed me off about Bettman's comments, though, and I'm not saying this was intentional, but we're phrasing counts. You have to, you know, making sure you think about what you say. He said, because of what happened, because of Kyle Beach. And with Kyle Beach, there was almost, you could, and I'm not saying this was done intentional, but it was almost like there was a finger pointing at Kyle Beach for this. Yes. And that's and what that I was just going to get to was pissed me off. That, that's what I was just going to get to. They're blaming Kyle Beach for Wurtz's outrage and tirade and, and stupidity as what I'm going to call it. They were blaming Kyle Beach. No, this is a Blackhawks problem. I just mentioned Gary Bettman towing the company. No, this is one time, but you do not tow the company line. The NHL should have put words on blast. He should be gone. He he should have been forced to sell his stake in the team. We've seen it in the NBA 
Yeah. NHL, you dropped the ball here big time. Big Rocky time. Words. I got a comparison. So before I do my comparison, there was a comment about – actually, it was Phil Thompson was asking about season's tickets because people want to know yep. what the future of this franchise is going to be before they re- renew up. The quality isn't there on the ice. That's few and far between from what we're talking about. The quality on the ice, but the organization as a whole is accessible. And 100%. he didn't quite word he didn't word it that way, but I will. And he wanted to know what the fans he was asking for the fans who are questioning whether they spend their hard-earned money to go. And that's what really set it off. My comparison of Rocky Wirtz, he is a he is a marred shot owner in the NHL. <laughs> May not, I mean she was kicked out of baseball because she was racist, but this guy is just a belligerent Dirt asshat bag. who gets angry because his organization is being asked about what they're doing for because his organization had a major, major problem with, with call him, call him what he is, a sexual predator that people within his organization covered up and let but, happen. But it's okay, Ken. They got rid of everybody from the oh, organization yeah, they're all gone. that did that. They're all yeah, gone. they're all gone. Yeah, they'll but be we back still in, the have, in five years. We, yeah, yeah. Mark Bergevin's not gone. He's just with a different team. Yeah, Shell like, Day Off is still there as a GM. But they're all gone. Don't worry about it. The bad men are gone. I want to go back to the, the Gary Bettman and is he good for the league and the problems that they got. And there's a bigger, bigger issue going on. There's a social issue going on in the NHL right now that is not being addressed. Well, sorry, it's being addressed with the slogan hockey is for everyone that you and I have already considered as complete and utter bullshit and garbage. It's not. The, the dress by Gary Bettman just further proves hockey's for a rich white man to own a team and he can say whatever he wants. It That was so disrespectful to the current state of affairs that's going on in the NHL right now. With the, There's racism going on. There's sexual predators being allowed in the league and not being you know kicked out of the league. There's asshats like Darren Fleury who are allowed to say whatever the hell they want with no repercussions from, and he's a representative of the league. I don't care if he's not in the NHL anymore. You're still a representative of the league and people, people identify people like Theron Fleury as being part of the NHL. There is no repercussions right now going for the stupidity and garbage that's being spewed about it. And Gary Bettman grow a pair, do something about this because it is, People are getting turned off of the league that you and I love so much. Ken, you and I are even getting turned off the league we love so much. Figure this out or there's not going to be a league anymore. There are social issues at play that are larger than what's going on. Well, the, the league drops the ball even when they're trying to do the right thing. And I think we'll, we'll talk about all-star games later on. But during the skills comp, uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux Davidson was participating in that target shooting out at uh, the Bellagio fountains and the guys doing the announcing and the kind of commentating for it, man, their conversation, how they kind of were trying to talk to her. Yeah, it was, was like, just cringeworthy, man. It I think like, it was Jerry D going, and hey, now we have Jocelyn who is a girl. And it was just like, <laughs> what? Obviously you're the only female here. No shit, Jerry. Good call. Like, way to pick, you know, pick that up. Like, even when they try and do something good, they they f it up, right? Like, it's just they can't get out of their own way. You know what? We might as well get onto it right now. The All Star Games. The NHL just held its All Star Game and Skills Competition on the weekend in Las Vegas. The Pro Bowl's coming up. I don't know about you, Ken. These NHL, not sorry, not just NHL, these all-star games, I think they need to go the way of the Dodo Bird. I am, they're so unentertaining, and I get that it's an opportunity to do all the corporate schmoozing and, and such, but could you not get more of that by just hosting a World Cup of Hockey yeah. instead of an NHL all-star game every couple of years? Like, this, this is horrible. The the. The entertainment value, you just brought up the Fountains of Bellagio. They did a a skills competition where they could have done, where they did, like, they had to pass and shoot pucks, you know, onto different platforms around the the, the lake. Should have been great. Should have been, I love 
love the concept. The execution of it was horrific. There was no, you would have thought they would have had a lot more pizzazz to go along with, hey, we're shooting pucks on the fountains of Bellagio. They shut you know, the make, strip down. They, exactly. It. They shut the strip. Where's, where's the fans watching and cheering on? Where's the fireworks? Where's the, you know, every time a puck landed on one of the, the platforms there should have been a loud siren and lights flashing and blaring there should the have fountain been going off the fountain going off and changing colors and no it was literally guys and one girl one girl sorry to, to go jerry d oh we have a girl participating oh, yeah. it, it was literally just people that, shooting pucks with 21 was painful too i didn't watch that i got so tired i turned it off yeah i was like I couldn't have what should have been great, great optics, much like the, and I'm going to go back to the game at what was it Lake Tahoe where it was such good optics. They did a tremendous job. They shit the bed on this one. It was so poorly executed. Again, the NHL getting in their own way. Trevor Zegers did not get voted into the all-star game, but because of his exceptional talent at doing some, crazy ass moves on the ice that are exciting to watch and probably age uh trots by or sorry tortorella by 20 years every time he sees it (laughs) they invited him to the skills competition for the breakaway challenge and i thought his uh homage to dodgeball where he did the overtime blindfold move with the the mascots chucking dodgeballs at him was great he scored he hit the net blindfold you probably could see but let's be honest who cares it was an amazing move even jack hughes with the mini hughes magic trick was was decent you had to bring it come out as allen from the hangover you had uh what did uh caprizov was ovi pulled right? his ovi like he they did all that and then you get alex petrangelo from the vegas golden Knights. why is a defenseman who can't score in a breakaway challenge. Why? Because he's a golden knight. Put Marsha Show in it. Put Stone in it. Put anyone else in this competition. He comes out with some stupid like LED glow sticks on his jersey. Goes in on a basic, I'm going to skate two miles an hour and miss the net. And he wins. He wins that. The NHL gets in their own damn way every time. Why even bother with Trevor, Trevor Zegers there if that's the crap you're going to pull? Exactly. And you had Trevor Zegers there do something absolutely phenomenal. When they came up with this concept what, 10 years ago now, I think this is exactly what the NHL thought this breakaway challenge was going to be. Something to try to rival the NBA uh, slam dunk challenge. The guys getting creative, showing some personality. Zegers did a tremendous job of that. So did Debrinket. Like they, You actually saw personality from these guys well they weren't getting personality from mcdavis so they had to get oh, it from someone I'm else just gonna get into that and then you go in and just give it to the local guy and it's kind of like well sure and it doesn't matter but it does matter because you're trying to sell the game and you're trying to sell the athletes and you go and you you, you give it to the most bland entry of all of them and it, it was just such a metaphor for the the entire national hockey league it's like Let's make sure the guy with no personality is the one that wins. Yeah. Because that's what we do. And then you got to further emphasize this point. You just brought up Connor McDavid. Talk about the guy who's the face of the NHL and should be the poster boy for the NHL. The guy's a a phenomenal talent. He didn't want to be there. You had pictures of him with Machine Gun Kelly and the guy, uh, McDavid, like, didn't even want to be there. You had pictures of him coming out when he was introduced, looking like he had just stepped on a freaking thumbtack. And like, I think it's time the NHL maybe looks at Connor McDavid and goes, yeah, you're not the face of our league because you're about as bland as they come. He looked like he was there because someone was holding one of his family members hostage. Like that was the level of enthusiasm he had in that game. And I'm going to be honest, I had it on the radio because I was at work and I, he didn't really seem to do anything. And this is supposed to be one of your most offensive, talented players in, in the league. And I think this all-star game is format. I don't like it. I don't, I don't care that the three-on-three is exciting. But the fact that if you're a fan of one division over the other, your, your player from your team is in the second game. 
well, are you really tuning in for the first hour to watch two teams you like, technically don't care about seeing because your player's not there or your player gets eliminated in the first game? Like ours, our Demko and Goudreau were done in the first game. Did you really care what happened after that? As well, a and fan? even look at the Vegas Golden Knights. They were in, there's three Vegas Golden Knights, the local team. And they, for those that didn't watch, how the format works is you play three on three mini games of 20 minute periods. Two divisions play each other, two divisions play each other, and then the winner of both those games play in a championship round. Well, here's the problem with that. The Pacific Division, which is the host and had the Vegas Golden Knights and had Connor McDavid on the team, played in the first 20 minute play uh, tournament and lost. Shocker, shocker. Connor McDavid couldn't captain a team past the first round, but hey, what are you going to say there? Status quo. Status quo. But hey, let's get to the real point here. You now add Mark Stone, Jonathan Marchessault, Alex Petrangelo, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl now missing for the rest of the game. Do you think any of the fans were happy about that? They got to cheer on their guys for a third of the time instead of a full 60-minute game. Terrible, terrible. It, it is about the local fans. It is about the local people, and you you shut them out. And then you also shut down the most explosive player in the league, Connor McDavid, who he didn't want to be there, and you could tell, but you, the face of the franchise played for 20 of the 60 minutes of your All-Star game. And none of the other All-Star games are any better. They're all terrible. The Pro no, Bowl the Pro is... Bowl. Oh. Pointless. The, the Pro Bowl is an exhibition of the third and fifth and sixth and seventh best quarterback with the ninth and tenth best receiver, you know, with no rushing of the quarterback allowed. Like it, it's just, just it's time to do away with it. Like I, the NBA I, is about the only one that and the MLB that moderately gets it right with the slam dunk competition and the home run derby, but the games are just horrific. Like, can we just be the, done with it? The basketball games are at least you get guys doing some pretty exciting things yes. in the NBA. So I'll give them that. I don't mind that one because it's least, you know, there's no defense. You know, it's going to be 153 to 149. Like, who cares? It, it's going to be exciting because you're going to get alley oops. You're going to get, you know, fancy plays because the guys are there. They're going to put an effort in. Football's pointless because you're in the offseason. No one wants to get hurt. You're, the two teams in the Super Bowl aren't pr- participating. And yeah, like baseball used to mean something because the winning side would get the winning league would get home field advantage in the world series. So that was good. They made it entertaining and of value. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering how many doorknobs will be like licked or touched to get COVID. So we didn't have to go. Like, yeah. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin conveniently always finds a way to miss the all-star game. And I think he might be onto something here. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm done with it. I I'm tired. The the NHL All Star Game is one of the worst. Like, are you well, and the me? popularity contest. It's not about Nazem Kadri was like was fourth in scoring. Had to get voted in. So why not? I would prefer if you're going to do these games, do them at the end of the season, where the guys who actually earn a spot and had a great year, not just they're a popular name in the league, actually get to go and participate in an All Star game. Yeah, I'm. The entertainment value is not there. I'm as diehard a fan of leagues as it comes, and I watch this garbage, and I turned it off. I could not handle the NHL All-Star game. I won't even touch the Pro Bowl. Like, that is – that's even worse. Time to be done with this. Like, are are you kidding me? Come up with something new, please. Yeah. Ken, in the intro, you brought up a very un-Canadian – take i'm gonna let you we're finally gonna take off on this have at it be unpatriotic here's your platform <laughs> i don't i don't mean to be unpatriotic it's just the olympics <laughs> coming up and this, what going on in the scotty's tournament going on i mean and there's throughout the you know curling season it's on tv all the time and i i've i have watched it i have sat down i've tried i just i can't do it it's like you're there's no, it, to me, it's just so boring. People love it. People go insane for this stuff. And I know it's very un-Canadian to not like curling, but I can't. I just, it's one of those sports I can't get behind. And uh, I, I definitely won't be trying to watch it at the Olympics. But at the same time with the Olympics, as you mentioned, with the time zone it's in, it's tough. Like these games are starting, like everything starts at 11 p.m. or 12 p.m. here and goes through the night. 
And when you wake up in the morning, good luck trying not to find out what happened if you PVR'd something. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I actually enjoy watching curling. I I don't play curling. I've tried it like twice in my life, and dear God, is it ever hard? You oh man, I'm, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it is a anyone can do easy sport. I just like no, I can't get behind it. I I can appreciate. I've done it like twice in my life, and I will say right now, I can appreciate how much talent it takes to to curl. It, sliding on one foot, holding a heavy rock, and not falling over is remarkably difficult i will just say that i actually enjoy it i enjoy curling on tv i don't understand the strategy around it i enjoy it because there are tremendously difficult shots every round every shot is hard every shot takes a ridiculous amount of execution to to nail it and you see double takeouts and raises and like bounce it off one rock to hit another rock out and make sure that that rock you hit stays. So like it, it, I love it. I love curling on TV. And I know my family is just like, how do you watch this garbage? And it's just like, because it's entertaining. It's like watching billiards on ice. I love watching billiards on TV too. And this is like watching billiards on ice where it's like, I need to rebound off of that rock to that rock to try to sink it in the corner pocket. Love it. It is if there is ever a made-for-TV sport, it is curling because there's there's very little downtime. Like, they they take their shot, then they set up the next shot. They take their shot, set up the next shot. There's so little downtime and how hard it is to do. I appreciate curling on TV. I will – I am very – I am not unpatriotic, like, at the BleacherCon 2 here. I love <laughs> curling. And it's actually turned into a – a global sport it really has yeah. i remember the days when canada was the juggernaut at curling it's not like that anymore no. it really isn't and you know kudos the olympics i think actually is one of the reasons why it has taken off because the olympics brought it in i guess say roughly 20 years ago now probably might be more might be less i don't know it's taken off since then and it's not just a canada sport and the united states always fields very competitive curling teams. Norway, uh, Finland, Sweden, they're always now fielding competitive uh, teams. And it, it's awesome. The World Curling Championships every year is one of the best uh, uh, championships because there really is no favorite. Any team can win it. So unlike Ken, I'm going to give kudos to the, the, the world of curling and say bravo and well done. And Ken, are you kidding me? You don't like curling? Come on. Yeah, well, to to regain my patriotism, I guess, uh, Canada men's soccer woo, just woo. finished their latest three-game window again, undefeated, taking nine of nine points. They won them all. They beat the U.S. 2-0. And I think the most ridiculous comment that came out of that game was from the U.S. coach who said, well, yeah, we had all the possession. Cool. That's uh, nice. How did that end up on the score sheet? Because we won two nothing. Like he got ripped so hard for that. Uh, pardon the interruption. Wilbon and Kornheiser just they tore him for that. They're like, who cares about the possession? How about you win a game, score a goal, right? Don't talk about possession. It was just like again, not recognizing the fact that Canada is kicking ass in these Concacaf. World Cup qualifying and need one point, one point to guarantee their ticket to Qatar. It's awesome. Where's what I going to say about having possession for the entire game? Well, let's see. Canada had possession of the ball the entire game against El Salvador, El Salvador and we won to nothing, idiot. <laughs> like, hello, I don't care if you have possession or not. Score a goal for Christ's sakes. If you don't score, you don't win. You yeah. did not win. Canada won. Canada is top of the table in CONCACAF right now. Canada is going to the World Cup. Canada took five of six points, I want to say, from the United States. Or did they take six? Uh, did they win both games? Out of between the games uh, against Mexico and the U.S., Canada took eight of 12 out of those four games. So they won. They beat Mexico. They beat the U.S. Uh, at least once each. I think they tied Mexico in the U.S. And I believe the first game against the U.S., was also a tie. So 
Yeah, last time I checked, I don't care if you have the possession. Canada's top of the table. There's a reason they're top of the table. They've won, what's it, six in a row now? They yeah. haven't given up a goal in four or five games. They they th- This last three-game series, clean-sheeted it every game. They won, they scored two goals every game. How about you oh. put away the sour grapes and maybe give Canada a little bit of credit for the fact that they beat you. They without beat Alfonso you Davies. Without Alfonso Davies. Without some of the top guys who weren't there for whatever reason, they still won. Man, like this Canadian men's team is fantastic. It's awesome. Can't wait to see more. Uh, I can't wait. This is going to be the first time I've probably ever said this in my life. I can't wait to watch the World Cup of Soccer because yeah. my team's going to be there. And my team might actually win a game or two when they're there because they are, I can't believe I'm saying this, they're a soccer powerhouse right now. I love it. This is amazing. Uh, I cannot wait. I hope they get to play the U.S. at the World Cup, and I hope they beat them. Sorry I know, I hope my they... U.S. listeners, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I really hope they do. Like, yeah. there's just this, this arrogance that has come out from I saw an interview with one of the U S players after the first game, pretty much bitching about the same thing where all oh, they we had the ball, the whole game. Blah, blah. And it's like, I don't give a shit if you had the ball, the whole game, you didn't win wins and losses. Maybe Canada plays a structured game. Maybe that's their game plan is shutting you down and then counterattacking. Maybe that's the actual game plan and they capitalized on their game plan better than you. Have you ever thought of that? Just saying. Yeah. Great to watch. Absolutely. Ken, I got to go to the NBA here. My Raptors, they are on a roll. Oh, and Ken, Ken's flag, waving a flag in my face. The Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, oh, it is a Vancouver Grizzlies flag. I got to let you steal my thunder here for a little bit. Ken, Tell our listeners about your sudden new loyal backing of the Memphis Grizzlies. I wouldn't call it, I would call it a renewed backing <laughs> of the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really didn't, to be honest, it was tough. I wanted to pick a team and they always went lean towards the Grizzlies, but I had a hard time because Michael Heisley ripped the team out of Vancouver and took them to Memphis. Well, I came to realize that I must have read an old article where it said he still owned the team, but he doesn't own the team anymore. So I, uh, I felt a little more okay with uh, I'll pull a LeBron and taking my talents south to Memphis, not South Beach. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've watched a few of their games on television and that it's, it's a young, fun team to watch. John Morant is just incredibly talented. I mean, looking at the, Steven Adams at eight years in the league is the, the longest serving NBA veteran on that team. Uh, Kyle Anderson's got seven years, a lot of young talent. that I think this team can grow into. You got Dylan Brooks, who's Canadian, Brandon Clark, who's Canadian. So there's a little bit of, you know, can con on the Grizzlies that, you know, also helps, you know, ease that in. So okay, yeah, well, back, I'm, I'm going to cheer on the Grizzlies. And we're going to go to the actual CanCon <laughs> of the NBA. And, and, and he's waving the flag again. And we're going to go to the Toronto Raptors, who all of a sudden look like world beaters. In the past week, they're, on a, they're currently on a uh, five or six game winning streak. They've knocked off the Miami Heat twice. They've knocked off the Chicago Bulls. They almost beat the Chicago Bulls a second time. They beat uh, the Atlanta Hawks twice. They have beat the Milwaukee Bucks three times this year. They've beat the Philadelphia 76ers twice this year for a team that's 28 and 23. I don't think there's a top seed in the East who want to play the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs. And they are praying to God that the Toronto Raptors get into the play in and lose because this is a team that is starting to put it together. Gary Trent jr. Went on, I think he had a four or five straight games of 30 plus points scored. You've got all-star Freddie Van Vliet, the guy who bet on himself and has paid off big time. The, the, the Raptors found Kyle Lowry expendable due to Fred Van Vliet. 
He has spicy peas starting to pick it up again. OG Ananobi, like the guy's a menace down low. Scotty Barnes, like talk about hitting on a draft pick. You've got a starting five here that rivals most in the league. Well, how many people were upset about Barnes being taken at four? This guy looks legit. I see he, there was a pass the other night and I believe it was against the bulls on the inbounds to seal the game from center court. Essentially throws an alley-oop to OG Ananobi to seal the game. It was incredible with like six seconds left to put him up multiple. It was phenomenal. This team, if they get into the playoffs and that's a big gift right now, because they have struggled with consistency but they are looking the part right now. This is a team to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. The only team that beats this team consistently is the Boston Celtics. Oh, and I hate to admit that. Like, there's a mental hurdle of the Raptors against the Celtics. I pray to God they don't have to uh, face off in a play-in round because, well, then we're done. Full props to the Toronto Raptors, who have come from below 500. They're now five games above 500 beating some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference to get there. I'm looking at the Heat. I'm looking at the Hawks. I'm looking at the Bucks. They beat the Sixers. This team's legit. I can't wait for the playoffs because this team could do some damage. Yeah, they've definitely turned it around from the beginning of the season. And I've watched a few Raptor games on television as well. And yeah, it it's definitely seems to be a completely different team uh, from the beginning of the year. So if, if they were a little more consistent they probably wouldn't be sitting in that mid-range in the in the standings but yeah well one can hope they get in and you got to, we could have a raptor grizzlies final and we can uh, duke it out in a seven <laughs> game series one thing i didn't even mention about the raptors they got one of the best coaches in the nba nick nurse who leading them the guy just he gets the most out of his team has him playing ferocious defense watch out this team is for real watch out yeah well, one last thing before we call it a day, a week. We got, we got something coming up next uh, week away. Super Bowl Sunday. Trevor, we got the LA Rams versus Cincinnati Bengals. And probably what I'm most likely looking forward to is the halftime show. with Dr. Oh, I'm loving it. Snoop, Kendrick, Mary J. Blige. I can't wait for that. Who's your pick? I really, really, really want to say the Bengals. I really do. Like I've, they're not, they're not my dad's Cincinnati Bungles anymore. These guys are actually a, a legit team. Joe Burrow's got them. He looks like the real deal. This team looks like they're going to hang around for a while. I want to say the Cincinnati Bengals. I can't. And there's one reason I can't. The Bengals offensive line. I do yeah. not think they can hold up to the Rams' ferocious pass rush. I really don't. We, we saw it, and I don't know how the Bengals, they gave up, what was it, nine sacks nine. against the Titans and one. I'm sorry, you're not going to do that again. The, well, the Stafford only way isn't I, uh, Tannehill, too. So. Yeah, exactly. Stafford's not Tannehill. There's the, you know, Cooper Cup, the guy's the best receiver in the league. Like, I just, I want to say the OBJ. Bengals. Yeah, a renewed OB, I want to say the Bengals. I got the Rams. I think they're, they're just going to have so much pressure on Burrow all day that – they're not going to be able to overcome it. Yeah, and that was pretty much exactly what I was going to say. If the Bengals give up nine against the, the Titans, they're probably going to give up 10 or 12 against the Rams. And you got Vaughn Miller and Dominus Sue. There's many – Donald, Aaron Donald on that. Like, nah, like that defense, Jalen Ramsey in the backfield. Like, it's going to be very, very difficult day for uh, Mr. Burrow. And that uh, offensive line. It's going to take a career day from that offensive line <laughs> to keep Burrow off his ass. If they do, the Bengals will win. It, they will win. If they can If they can keep Burrow upright, they will win. I think they've got this sense of kind of us against the world. Nobody expected them to be there. And they're, they're, they've done the part. They've beat good teams to get there. They've got a field goal kicker who is like – ice in his money like money money if it comes down to a field goal i like their chances but i just can't see them keeping burrow upright for the game and i think that's going to be the difference in the game all right last quick one we both have the rams next little bet here what's gonna be more entertaining halftime or the game oh halftime (laughs) not even close (laughs) 
but my kids are already asking. They're like, how are they going to censor this? Like, um, is this on seven second delay? And I'm like, well, it better be on friggin' 27 second delay. They're going to, if there's that many uh, uh, F-bombs, I'd imagine they're going to get the clean versions, but yeah. it's going to slip out. Snoop, come on. Like, yeah. bet. And it's going to be entertaining. That's for sure. Well, that's our show for this week. Don't forget to check out Belly Up Sports on uh, Tiki, Tiki Live TV content 24-7. Also, don't forget to check us out on Tiki Live every Mondays, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. That's where you hear our premier shows. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, everyone.